podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome aboard on Tuesday, the 8th of November. We have a fairly quiet show today because, well, we're winding down with the World Cup on the horizon. Only one Premier League match week left. We do have EFL Cup games tonight, so we'll have a quick look at those. We get Stevenage against Charlton. So that is Charlton currently ninth in League One. Travelling to Stevenage, who are second in League Two. We also have Bristol City at home to Lincoln City. Bristol City are 16th in the Championship. And Lincoln City are 13th in League One. We have Bournemouth versus Everton in an old Premier League clash. It's an interesting one, this, because obviously they play in the league at the weekend as well. 
So it'll be interesting to see if either team goes full strength. I could see Everton going full strength. I could see Lampard wanting a bit of a cup run to distract from how bad things are in the league. But we'll see. You've got Brentford against Gillingham. Brentford, obviously, a, a Premier League team. Uh, Gillingham, I believe, are in League 2. Yes, they are. They're 20th in League 2. So you'd have to fancy Brentford to get the win there, even with a heavily rotated team. Uh, we've got MK Dons against Morecambe. MK Dons are 21st in League 1. And Morecambe are 22nd in League 2. Uh, there has been some talk that I think he mentioned, I think Tyson Fury mentioned that he quite liked to buy Morecambe, but we'll wait and see if that ever happens. He says a lot of things and none of them ever come out. And then we get Leicester City versus Newport. Obviously, we know where Leicester are. Newport, if I'm not mistaken, are a League 2 team. They are their 18th in League 2. And last but not least, we have Burnley, who currently sit top of the championship lost at the weekend but they've been on a really good run and they face Crawley Town who are in League 2 currently 19th and obviously there's been quite a bit of talk around Crawley at the weekend um, they played Accrington Stanley at the weekend in the first round of the FA Cup and actually let's do, I'll have a look at that as well Um and there was, you know, some talk of some YouTubers being involved. In the end, none of the three Brown brothers who were mentioned as potentially playing were involved. Uh, Toby, Manny and Jed. Um, none of them were involved in the game. But look, it got a bit of attention on the club and it got them kind of the reaction that they were looking for. Um Interesting to see some of the players they have there on loan. Teddy Jenks, uh, Caleb Chukwameka, older brother of, of Kearney. Um, some talented players there, but neither of them getting in the team. Whether or not Crawley were really focused on the game or not, I don't know. Considering their league position, they might prefer to focus on just staying in the football league. They're currently 19th in the in League 2, like I mentioned, but they are only three points off bottom. So they've got some work to do. Um, what did happen? So those are the games in the, in the League Cup tonight. In the FA Cup at the weekend, I don't know why I didn't pay any attention to this. We had a whole bunch of games. Sheffield Wednesday beat Morecambe 2-0. Josh Windas and Alex Mighton. Decent players. Hereford won Portsmouth 3. So Pompey are through. Uh, South Shields lost 2 0 to Forest Green. Bit of a shock as Bradford City lose to Harrogate Town. Is Mark Hughes still at Bradford City? I think he is, isn't he? Mark Hughes. He is. He is the manager of Bradford City. Um, that's a disappointing one. Bolton won Barnsley 2. Boreham won 3. Eastleigh 1. Ebbsfleet United 2. Who are, they always just sound like there should be a, a car dealership or something. Um, or a rental car firm. Halifax 1. Chesterfield 1. Northampton 0. Charlton 4. Colville Town 1. Big achievement for Colville Town to get to the first round proper. So congrats to them. Um, but beaten by a, a good League 1 team. 
Gateshead 2, Stevenage 3. So a bad day for the suburbs of Newcastle with South Shields and Gateshead going out. Uh, Sutton 0, Farnborough 2. Newport County 2, Colchester 0. Grimsby 5, Plymouth 1. Burton 2, Needham Market 0. Port Vale 2, Exeter City 3. Wickham 0, Walsall 2. Bristol Rovers, Joey Barton's Club 1, Rochdale 0. Mentioned Crawley versus Accrington Stanley. Uh, Solly Hill Moores 2, Hartlepool 2. So that's going to go to a replay. Shrewsbury 2, York City 1. Chippingham Town 1, Lincoln 0. So Lincoln dumped out by non-league opposition. As were Doncaster, who lost to Kingsland Town. Um, Field 1, Gillingham 1. So there's a replay there. Stockport 4, Swindon Town 0. Paul Sterrett, your boys, took a hell of a beating. Weymouth 1, AFC Wimbledon 1. Another replay to be had there, as is there is with Barnett and Chelmsford, who drew 1-1. MK Dons beat Taunton Town 6-0. Cheltenham lost to Alvechurch. Big win there for them. Uh, Barrow 0, Mansfield 1. Maidenhead United nil, the mighty Dagenham and Redbridge won. Peterborough and Salford City drew nil-nil, so Gary Neville will be happy. Uh, Buxton 2, Murther Town. Murther Town, is that right? At uh, nil. Fleetwood 3, Oxford 1. Crew Alexandra 1, Leighton Orient nil. Carlisle 2, Tranmere 1. Disappointing for Tranmere to go out so early. Wrexham 3, Oldham Athletic 0. So big win for Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and, and their group. Who scored in that one? Um, Paul Mullen got 2. That fella is is too good for the level he plays at. Curzon uh, Ashton 0, Cambridge United 0. Torquay United 2, Derby County 2. Derby had a man sent off in that game. Aaron Cashin. They were 2-0 up, had a man sent off and ended up drawing 0-0. So disappointing there for Derby. And last but not least, we have Bracknell Town 0, Ipswich 3. Ipswich going really well under Kieran McKenna. Currently second in the the championship. Oh, no, sorry, in League 1, rather, behind Plymouth. Um... Plymouth top, Ipswich second, Sheffield United third, Peterborough, Portsmouth, Bolton, Derby, Barnsley, Charlton. That's a strong group at the top of League One. That is a strong group at the top of League One. Um, So there will be... There's one first-round game still to play. That's Woking against Oxford. That game is tonight. No, sorry, next Tuesday? Next Tuesday. I'm not sure why it was called off, but that game is next Tuesday. And we've got seven replays. Chelmsford, Barnet, Wimbledon, Weymouth, Gillingham, Fields, Derby, Torquay, Salford, Peterborough, Hartlepool against Solly Hill, Solihull Moors, and Cambridge against Curzon Ashton. Uh, the second round draw has been made. Those games take place on the 26th of November. So, we do at least have football during the World Cup break, which is nice. You know, we'll have a bit of a break in the championship, but it does come back 
on the 10th of December. So there are two full rounds of championship matches before the Premier League comes back. Uh, League One is not taking a break. Oh, it is taking a break. It's taking a slightly later break. So they will play the weekend of the 19th and 20th. Uh, Then they take a two-week break, but they're back on the 2nd of December. Well, that's for the Cups. They're not actually taking a proper break. They're not actually taking a proper break. So they'll be playing the 2nd, the 2nd and 3rd, the 10th, the 17th, and then the, uh, obviously, St. Stephen's Day games. And in League 2, I assume it's the same. There's no break. Uh, back you go, League 2. Yeah, no break for them either. There's just that one week for the FA Cup. So there's going to be plenty of football on. So if you are um boycotting the World Cup, which I think many people are considering doing, you have the option of watching lower league football. And I think if Sky had any moxie about them, they would show plenty of it. Plenty good football to watch. There's there's good teams in League One. League Two is is obviously a lower standard, but again, there's there's some decent teams there worth giving an eye to as well. Uh, right, winners and losers from the weekend's Premier League matches. So, I think you've got to go first winner, Manchester City. A man down with the stoppage time that was played, they played 70 minutes with 10 men and they dominated the game and managed to win the game. And I th- saw a lot of Arsenal fans be like, these are just unstoppable You've had it for 13 games. Liverpool have had it for four years. This is just what they are. They're just a machine. It doesn't matter if they have 10 men. It doesn't matter if there's fans in the stands. It doesn't matter if they're home or away. Manchester City are just an absolute machine. And they are going to win the league this season comfortably. There's just no doubt about it. They're going to win the league comfortably. Uh, Second winner... I would say Crystal Palace. I think that's a a big win in an important derby fixture against West Ham. Kept playing right to the end and I thought deservedly won the game. They had more of the ball, more shots. They had more dangerous opportunities. I would say Crystal Palace were deserving winners of that game. And I think it's a big win. They're now top half. And considering what we saw from Palace for so long under a parade of gammon. The football they play under Vieira, this team they now have, the excitement they can have over young players like Guehi and Mitchell and Decoure and Eze and Olise. This is maybe the most exciting Palace te- team since the 1980s. And they're only a couple of players away from, I think, potentially challenging for a European spot. Now, the problem for them is they're probably going to lose Zaha and they will likely get the vultures circling on Elise, on Eze, and on Decore, all three of whom are, have you know great ambitions to play at the top level. So they may not get to make the most of this team themselves, but for an investment of somewhere in the region of 50 million on Decore, Eze, and Elise, they're easily getting 150 million. So that's all positive. Third winner, I'm going to go Aston Villa. New manager, 
big game, opponents that they haven't beaten at home in 27 years. And when you consider they were in the Premier League for the majority of that time, it's quite embarrassing. So to get that win is huge. The performance was exceptionally good. United were terrible, but the performance by Aston Villa was really, really strong. And I think it's a new era at Villa. And they've got, I've said it before, I really like their ownership group. I think they're very ambitious. Now they have a very, very good manager. I don't normally do a, a pa- <clears throat> excuse me, I don't normally do a passive on this, but I'm going to put Wolves in as a passive. I know they lost the weekend, and I know that they're 19th, but I think appointing Julian Lopetegui is massively good. I think it's a great appointment. I don't, I don't think they could have done better, and I think getting him in negates the fact that they lost at the weekend because I think he will keep them safe. I think there's more than enough talent there. His players to come back after the, the World Cup break, like Neto and Jimenez, I think he'll be given money to spend in January. I don't think he would take in a job otherwise. So I'm going to go for them as a sort of, sort of a passive in the in the middle of a winner and a loser. Um, Starting with the losers then, you've got to put Southampton as the biggest losers of the weekend. Thumped at home and their manager sacked. And like I don't know if Nathan Jones is a good manager or not. I don't know if he's going to be a Premier League caliber manager. He's done pretty well with Luton, there's no doubt. But it's a massive step up, a massive step up. And they're in a precarious position. They are 18th in the league. And things don't look good for them right now. There's a lot of talent there. There's no question. It's a really talented squad. That managerial appointment, though, that that doesn't scream ambition to me. It just doesn't. Um, next up, I think you've got to put Bournemouth in there. That's four straight defeats, which after turning things around, following the sacking of Parker and getting that new manager bounce, they've now fallen back into the same bad habits as they had before. And I'd be stunned if they're if they're still in the Premier League for the 23-24 season. I really would. Then I think Spurs are the third one. Three defeats in four. I think it's four defeats in six or four defeats in seven that they've had now. They're not playing well. They look disjointed. Things improved greatly once Kulosevsky came on. But they don't create enough. There's not... There's not enough desire when they get get the ball to to make anything happen, and we the thing is the thing that gets me is we saw in the second half, once he pushed Bentoncourt and Hoysberg a bit further forward and got them playing a bit more aggressively, and brought Kulusevski on, we shot we saw what they could do. We saw what Spurs could do. They can they cut Liverpool open a couple of times, and caused them real problems and created good chances. They hit the post. They hit the crossbar. Allison made a good save. They had a couple of very simple headers that they should have done much better for. So they can do much better. That's why I'm putting them in the loser category is because I feel like that defeat, that was their own fault. They did that to themselves with such a dreadful first half display. And even in that first half, they hit the post. 
So I just think Spurs are playing very much within themselves. And I think Conte, I think he needs to take a long look at things and maybe just start loosening the reins a little bit. So there are your three winners and losers. You've got City. You've got Palace. And you've got Villa. Wolves firmly in the middle. And then in terms of losers, I think you've got to go Southampton, Bournemouth and Spurs. Now, in terms of the rest, they would just fall into the category of did they win, did they lose? Wolves are the one I'd give the uh, the pass to based on the fact that I think they've appointed a really good manager. Um, we'll do the Garth Crooks team of the week before we take our break. Uh, he's picked Allison in goal. Allison didn't have a whole lot to do at the weekend. So I'm not really sure that's the correct move. Uh, he picked Kieran Trippier. Trippier got turned inside out a couple of times in that game for Newcastle against Southampton. And the goal came down his side. Uh, Saliba played pretty well for Arsenal, but he didn't have a whole lot to do. Uh, Luca Dini scored, which is why he's in. Lalana played well, his good game of the season, so that's fine. Uh, Madison played well, got an assist. Got two assists, actually. So, yeah, no problem there. De Bruyne was incredible. Uh, Somerville was really good, won a penalty and scored. Salah was great. Zaha played really well. And Matomo was the best player in the pitch in the Brighton Wolves game. So, to be fair, the only ones I disagree with would be Trippier and Allison. I think everybody else warrants their spot. Which for Garth is a is a great improvement. Now that team is not a team; that's just eleven players that he's put together and put them in areas that kind of semi resemble where they play. That team would get beaten seven four in every game they play, but it'd be fun anyway. Uh, we'll take the break when we come back. A little bit of World Cup chatting. We'll do the gossip, and we're done nice and quick today. Talk to you soon. Right, welcome back. So, uh, Seb Blatter has come out and said that the decision to award the 2022 World Cup to Qatar was a mistake. Um, His mistake, it should be pointed out, not anybody else's, his mistake. He says it is too small of a country. Football and the World Cup are too big for it. Blatter said FIFA had adjusted the criteria used to select countries in 2012 after concerns were raised about the treatment of migrant workers building World Cup stadiums in Qatar. Since then, social social considerations and human rights are taken into account. So they weren't before, is what he's saying. That under his watch, social considerations and human rights were not taken into account. For the 17 years that he was running it, 15 of which were before 2012. He was ousted after corruption allegations and a payment to Michel Platini. He was banned for eight years. It was then reduced to six years. But it was then extended further and he is banned from all football until 2028 for various violations of FIFA's code of ethics. There was never a more corrupt man than Seb Blatter, if we're being fair. And um, 
he gave World Cups to Russia and Qatar because they gave him the most money to do so. There's there's just no other way around it. Um, and now everybody else has to deal with it. Uh, Brazil have named their World Cup squad, and it's a little bit strange. You've got Allison, you've got Ederson, and you've got Weverton as the three goalkeepers. Now, they're three good goalkeepers. I quite like Weverton. I've watched quite a bit of him for Palmieri. He's a little bit older. Um, he's 34. He's not an elite-level goalkeeper, but I think as a third-choice goalkeeper, he makes a lot of sense. He's been in great form for Palmieri's over the years. He's very consistent, um, especially since Abel Ferreira took charge. In defence, you've got Danny Alves. I'm not sure how he's still in the squad. Danilo of Juventus. He's been poor for a couple of years. Alexandro, well past his best. And Alex Tellez isn't very good. He's all right. He's not very good. That's their four fullbacks. That's poor. That is the big weakness in this squad. Centre-backs, you've got Thiago Silva, who's a weak link. Marquinhos, Eder Militao, and Bremer of Juventus, who's good in a in a three, not so much in a two. Not so much in a two. Um, Gabriel of Arsenal, probably a little bit unfortunate not to get in. The guy pointing out, Militao does largely play right back for them. We'll be interested to see if that's what stays the same for the World Cup. If it's Militao, Silva and Marquinhos, Militao and Marquinhos can make up for Silva's inability to turn. But their left-back situation is is not is not good. Renan Lodi is better than both of those, but unfortunately, he's not been in great form. Uh, in midfield, you've got Casemiro, you've got Everton Ribeiro, you've got Bruno Gomerish, Fabinho, Fred and Lucas Paqueta. It's a pretty strong group. Everton Ribeiro is, is okay. He's not great, but he's okay. And the rest are varying degrees of good. I, I think Fred's a much better player than we've seen at Manchester United. And he's certainly for Brazil, he plays very well. In attack, Anthony is in. Gabriel Jesus is in. Gabriel Martinelli is in. Neymar. Pedro of Flamengo is a bit of a surprise one for me. Rafinha, Rodrigo, Richarlison and Vinicius Jr. No Roberto Firmino. I'm not sure Pedro deserves to be in over Roberto Firmino, to be totally honest. He's he's the weak link in that group. Um, and it's a little bit of a surprise because it didn't go with, with Firmino, who's been a fairly consistent member of the squad over the last six years or so. Pedro's 25... In, in his defence, I suppose, he is coming off a very, very good season, uh, particularly in the Copa Libertadores, where he scored 12 goals in 13 games, uh, 29 and 59 in all competitions. Um, he was at Fluminense, was pretty good there, was a disaster at Fiorentina. But since going back to Flamengo, he has been good. I still would have taken Firmino. I think Firmino offers more as, a, as an all-round player. So that is Brazil's squad. They're one of the favourites to win it. And I think when you look at that squad and consider that they're one of the favourites, I just think it speaks to how weak international football is now. Because compare that squad to what Brazil have had in the past, and it's it's nowhere close. Uh, the Danes have named a preliminary 21-man squad with five more players due to be announced, I think, on Monday. 
of next week. So uh, Christian Eriksen is in. Kasper Schmeichel, he's in dreadful form, but he's in. And Oliver Christensen of Hertha Berlin, they're the two goalkeepers that have been named. Simon Kjær, yeah, Joachim Anderson, Joachim Mal, Andreas Christensen, Rasmus Christensen of Leeds, uh, Jens Stryger Larsen, Victor Nelson, and Daniel Vass. There's no left footer in that group. They're all right-footed. My guess is that Mal will play left-back and Christensen might be the right-back. And then Simon Kerr partnered by one of Andreas Christensen and Joachim Anderson. Or he, he could well go the back three, which he's done before. And he, I, I actually don't know. Is he going to play the back three, potentially? Uh, midfielders, Thomas Delaney, Matthias Jensen, Christian Eriksen, and Pierre-Emile Heusberg. I wonder will Norgard get in if he proves his fitness. In attack, Skov Olsen, Lindstrom, Cornelius, Braithwaite, Dahlberg, Damsgaard, and, and uh, Jonas Vind. It's a pretty decent group. It's a pretty decent group. The Danes, what we know about them, they're going to be really fundamentally sound. They're going to work really hard. They're going to be solid defensively, and they're going to be a threat on the counterattack. They're going to be really well coached as well. So they're not going to win it, I don't think. Stranger things have happened, but I don't think they'll win it. But I do think they'll cause some trouble. I do think they'll cause some trouble for a number of different teams. Uh, in terms of the players who are and aren't going, we've obviously had a number of injuries of late and a number of players whose spots at the World Cup are under question. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, he limped off in Everton's defeat at the weekend with a hamstring problem and will undergo a scan. Frank Lampert said, we don't feel like it's a bad injury, but we'll have to wait for the scan on Monday. I don't think Calvert-Lewin was going to be in the England squad anyway. I think he's going to be, he'd probably be behind Ivan Tony. although remains to see what happens with him. Uh, I think he's probably behind Ollie Watkins. I think he'll be behind Callum Wilson. So I don't think Calvert-Lewin was going to go anyway, but you never know. Uh, Reese James, he might be back, but I have doubts. I have real doubts that he'll be back. Kyle Walker, he's apparently confident of making the squad. I can't see how he's going to be fit. Calvin Phillips looks like he'll be back and he'll be in the squad. Kyle Walker-Peters, um, he's done. He had a, he has a hamstring injury, so he's not going to be considered. Again, I don't think he would have been anyway. And Ben Chilwell is out of the World Cup with a significant hamstring injury. Um, Gareth Bale should be fit to lead Wales to the first World Cup in 64 years, despite appearing sparingly for LAFC. LAFC won the MLS Cup at the weekend. You didn't see that. Uh, he hasn't been a regular in their team, but he came off the bench and did score the goal that sent that to penalties. Uh, on Saturday. So, he, he, you know, we know what Bale, he, Wales is what matters to him. So he, he'll just be keeping himself taking over. Uh, Tom Lawrence is out. He won't be available. Joe Allen has not played for Swansea in more than a month, but he has a chance of being fit in time. I think they'll take him if there's a chance. Reese Norrington Davies, 
Uh, he is set to be out with a hamstring injury. That's a blow because he's been important to them under Robert Page. Uh, France, no N'Golo Kante. No Paul Pogba. Wes Fafana ruled out he wouldn't be available anyway. Or he wouldn't be going anyway. Um, it looks like Lucas Hernandez will be fit. So that's huge. Rafael Varane is a big question mark. Anthony Martial, I, I don't think he makes the squad anyway. But he's back fit now at least. So if they want to bring him, he's there to be brought. Uh, Richarlison should be available. But you know he's in the squad. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, Portugal, no Diogo Jota, no Pedro, a uh, Pedro Neto, that is, uh, Pepe and Nuno Mendes. They're both expected to be okay to be in the squad, but probably miss a group match or two. Um, the Germans, no Timo Werner, Marco Royce came back from his ankle injury, had a bit of a setback, should be okay. Should be okay. Um, Leroy Sané is going to be fine. And Manuel Nauer should be okay. He's just come back from a shoulder injury. The Dutch, Ginny Wijnaldum, is a major, major doubt with the fracture in his tibia. We'll see what happens. He He might be okay to go, but it's more likely that he misses out. Uh, Kepa is out so he won't be with Spain he'd been in really good form as well so it's a bit of a shame uh, Paulo Dybala is out Angel Di Maria should make the tournament but likely misses some of the group stage for the United States Daryl Dyke has been out for a while but he's back training and should be okay to go Miles Robinson is out with an Achilles tear uh, Mexico Raul Jimenez faces a race against time. He hasn't played since the 31st of August. Even if he does make it, there's no way he's going to be ready to play. Um, Jesus Corona is out with a broken leg, so he's done. Youngman's son should be okay to go for South Korea. They, He's had the surgery to stabilize the fracture around his eye, so he should be okay. Uh, Marcelo Brozovic is on the brink of a return to playing, having missed the last two months. So he should be fine. Ronald Arejo, who had surgery on a torn thigh muscle in September, was at that point ruled out, but he's been included in Uruguay's preliminary squad. So looks like he might be going. I don't imagine he'd be a starter for them if Jimenez and Godin are fit, but he certainly should be because he's the best centre-back they have now. Uh, but it's kind of the last hurrah for the Godin, Caceres, Forlan, not Forlan, um, Suarez and Cavani group and Muslera. They they all most likely retire as a unit after this. Uh, Jakob Motor is out with the ACL tear, so he's a big loss for Poland. Atiba Hutchinson looks like he's going to be fine to play for Canada. He's their captain, 39 years of age. He's not played a game at all this season. Uh, after suffering a bone bruise, but he is back. And Alfonso Davies should be fine. He's going to miss the next two games for Bayern, but should be okay to play at the World Cup. Imran Luza will miss the tournament after breaking his leg against Millwall in mid-October. He He's so important for Watford. He's so important for Morocco. 
that's a blow. And Yuta Nakayama, the Huddersfield Town defender, will miss the World Cup after being ruled out with an Achilles injury. So that's a big, big blow for him. A big, big blow for them as well because he's a, he's a good player. Um, Newcastle-bound teenager Karang Cool, the young Australian, has been selected in their 26-man squad. So that'll be an exciting thing for him. And off the back of that, I believe he joins Newcastle in January. So their squad has been named. Um, whether this is the confirmed squad or not, I don't know. But Matt Ryan, formerly of Brighton, now of Copenhagen, where he is the reserve goalkeeper. Uh, Andrew Redmayne, no relation to Eddie. And Danny Vojkovic, they're the goalkeepers. Asis Behic of Dundee United. Milos Degenic of Columbus Crew, Thomas Deng of a club I've never heard of, Joel King of Odense in Denmark, Nathaniel Atkinson of Hearts, Fran Karasic of Brescia, Harry Suter of Stoke, Kai Rowles of Hearts, and Craig Godwin of Adelaide United as they're the defensive group. Midfield, Aaron Moy of Celtic, Jackson Irving of St. Pauli, Arden Hrustic of Hellas Verona, he scored the important goal that sent them to the World Cup. Bailey Wright of Sunderland, Cameron Devlin of Hearts, Riley McGree of Middlesbrough, and Keanu Bacchus or Bassus of St. Mirren, that's the midfield group. Awer Mabil of Cadiz, Matthew Leckie of Melbourne City, Martin Boyle of Hibernian, James McLaren of Melbourne City, James, sorry, Jason Cummings of Central Coast Mariners. Mitchell Duke of Okayama and Karankul of Central Coast Mariners. That is the Australian squad. Um, and that, it looks like it is the finalised squad. They don't have to actually finalise it, I think, until the 10th, uh, which is only a few days before the World Cup kicks off. So there could still be changes, but that's where we sit at the moment. And we'll just do the gossip then, and we will wrap this up. Uh, Liverpool owners, Fenway Sports Group, will sign Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund for £87 million as a parting gift before their sale of the club. This sounds far-fetched, but it may not be. Uh, Manchester United are among the club's interests in signing Bellingham, while Chelsea are not one of the sides he wants to join. FSG will make a significant profit of their investment, but Liverpool's valuation is less than the price Roma Bramvich sold Chelsea for this earlier this year. No, it's not. It's just not because the reason Chelsea went for so much is because they had to clear the debt off the club. So no, no, it's actually not. It's well above the actual purchase price of Chelsea. Uh, British billionaire Sir Jim Ratcliffe is among those who could purchase Liverpool. Luton boss Nathan Jones is set to become the new manager of Southampton. Southampton are also admirers of Thomas Frank and Marcelo Gallardo. Uh, I don't think he would take the job, but he's an interesting one for sure. Thomas Frank, I don't think, would take that job either. Um, there's, there's a couple of managers out there that I think would be interesting for them. Because with the money they'll be able to offer, they can certainly outpay certain clubs that have, you know, managers that people are are high on so someone like Bo Svensson of Mines I think he is one 
that a lot of clubs should be looking at. And he's one I think Southampton should look at. I think Kettle Knutson of Bodo Glimt is one that Southampton should take a look at. 54 years of age, has spoken about feeling like he's ready to try something else. Now, he's never managed outside of Norway, so there's a risk there, but he's been linked to a number of jobs and a lot of clubs have kept an eye on him. He's won the Norwegian League twice. He's been Norwegian Coach of the Year three times. Excuse me, three times. Um, not sure how Molda won it then in last year. And this season, what have we got? When is it starting? What is the situation? Oh, it hasn't been. We don't know yet. Oh, the current season is just ending is what it is. Yes, they run April to November. Um. Samolda so have won it this year. And Bodo Glimp finished second. Molda got significantly better after Ollie left. Might be something in that. Um, but Nutson would be one that I think is, is Southampton should consider. Um more than half the Premier League had representatives watching. Ajax versus PSV on Sunday with Cody Gakpo, among others, in action. Chelsea, Chelsea's hopes of signing AC Milan and Portugal forward Rafael Leao have been boosted because of ongoing complications in the players' contract extension talks. Seems like nonsense now at the minute. Um, Arsenal and Tottenham are considering a move for Jonathan David. Doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense for Arsenal because they play one up front. They've got Gabriel Jesus. Doesn't really make a whole bunch of sense for Spurs either. Not really sure who he'd be ideal for. Let's have a look. Who would Jonathan David suit? As Because he's going to want to be a starter unless he's going to City or Liverpool. Uh, he would suit United. If Newcastle wanted to play two up front, him and Isak could be an interesting pair. He'd be perfect for Brighton, but I just don't think they could afford him. Um, He would be a good fit for Chelsea under Graham Potter. His movement and ability to rotate positions. Um, After that, Villa, maybe, but probably not with Watkins. You probably want more of a nine type. Leicester would be a good fit. Um, West Ham, him and Skamaka would be a really nice pair. Him and Calvert-Lewin would work for Everton, but I just don't see Everton having that kind of money. United's probably the best bet in the Premier League for him. Premier League leaders, Arsenal are prepared to spend in January. This is 90minute.com. I mean, this the drivel that comes out of this website. Like, this is a whole big article about how Arsenal are going to spend money. Like, Mikhailo Mudrik, right, really good player, really good player, but doesn't improve them because, is he well, is he getting in over Gabriel Martinelli? Maybe he is, but I don't know that he's any better than Martinelli. So, I'm not sure there. Um, there's also this nonsense mentioned in this article about Arteta as a potential successor to Gavi to Xavi at Barcelona. 
Barcelona are top of La Liga. Xavi is going nowhere. Manchester United want to sign Eric Chupamoting. <laughs> they are down bad at the minute. Uh, Brentford first team analyst and set piece specialist Jack Wilson is leaving the Bees to join Manchester City. Inter Milan chief exec- executive Beppe Morata says the club are planning to meet the agent of Milan Skriniar to discuss a new contract. His deal is out in the summer, so that needs to get done quickly. Juventus want to extend the deal of Adrian Rabio, but fear the 27-year-old may get better offers from the Premier League. I'm not sure why they'd want to extend him. It hasn't worked. Let him leave. AC Milan are prepared to offer a contract extension to Olivier Giroud, and it was it is likely to be signed after the 2022 World Cup. Makes sense. It does make sense. Giroud is a really nice fit in that Milan team. He doesn't have the huge ego, so he's willing to be a rotation piece. You know, he plays one week, Zlatan plays the next. Um, he's still prolific enough in front of goal, 9-18 and 18 this season. I mean, you look at the minutes played, it's pretty good. Six, four and six in the Champions League as well is something you can't turn your nose up at. He's never been a huge goal scorer, but he gets his share, 258 club goals um, in 639 games. He's got 49 and 114 for the national team. He's very, very important to the teams he plays in because he makes other people better, uh, which is, I think, a massive, massive thing in itself. And that is it, folks. That is me for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.